Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to Second Wind. And we are going to have an inspiring program today because our guest is going to talk about a subject that is very prevalent with women. When I first met Dr. Edward Paul, I was so impressed by his enthusiasm, much less as I've learned more about him, his knowledge. So because Second Wind is all about providing you with information about transition and those transitions that we go through, that's why he's such a perfect, perfect person to be visiting with us today, because he's going to share his journey that he has learned over his life and how he is helping people today. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He was recognized, as is recognized, as one of the world's foremost authorities on immaculate degeneration and low vision rehabilitation. Dr. Dr. Edward Paul is the researcher and inventor of the patent Tozol eye care formula a prescription eye vitamin for the prevention and treatment of macular degeneration. Dr. Paul has been in private practice for 25 years, helping people see better and live healthier lives through a combination of traditional and alternative method medicine. Beyond his research and medical practice, Dr. Paul is the author of several books, including Conquering Macular Degeneration and 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health. Furthermore, he serves as a contributing writer for several national magazines, medical magazines, and is a frequent guest on television and radio. He has recently featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox News, and Lifetime Television for his work in low vision rehabilitation and macular degeneration. So welcome, Dr. Paul. We're delighted you're here. Thank you, Joyce, and what a pleasure it is to be with you and your listeners. Uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to the next 50 or 55 minutes and hopefully giving people hope where previously there has been none and talking about uh, this disease, macular degeneration, which is the leading cause of blindness in women over the age of 60. And uh, we're going to share wow. some interesting and cutting-edge technology to, again, not give false hope, but to give your listeners' real hope with respect to the fact that there really is some hope in terms of things that can be done, uh, whereas their very well-meaning eye doctor may say, Mrs. Jones, we're sorry, but nothing more can be done. And 
as we'll hear in just a few moments, that's not necessarily the truth. So a pleasure to be with you. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, so many of us go up, and I have experienced this with my mother, who has gone to see her doctor complaining of loss of vision. And it was sort of like, well, they didn't come out with those two words because she would have been scared, but they just said, oh, you're just losing. Your eyes are tired because she is 94 years old. And so they said, well, your eyes are tired. And so you're just losing your sight. That was the diagnosis. And it was so defeating for her and, and scary for her because, uh, she is a uh, healthy woman in many other, all, a lot of other ways. And so that was a pretty scary visit. Uh, but um, so when I first met you, I was so excited because you held so many of, of exciting answers for me so that I could come home and share them with my mother. Well, you're exactly right, and many uh, physicians will avoid using the term macular degeneration. What is commonly used when they want to soft-sell the diagnosis is, well, you have some age-related vision loss, and that's not an inaccurate statement. Um, But as a part of the aging process, not everyone has to get macular degeneration, and there are certainly ways that we can slow it down. You know, in the United States, as I mentioned earlier, um, macular degeneration is the leading cause of blindness. Now, you know, if we were a uh, a resident of Guatemala or uh, or India or some other third world country, the leading cause of blindness in those countries is actually cataracts. But in the United States, yeah, in the United States, cataract surgery is something that is routinely performed. Uh, It's performed on an outpatient basis. The surgery itself typically takes less than 10 or 15 minutes, and the next day the patient's able to see. Now, that surgical care is not available, you know, in developing or third-world countries. But, again, we've got a very good health care system here in the United States that can deal with and actually, quote-unquote, cure cataracts. But macular degeneration is something that while we're working on it, we have yet to figure out and find a cure for it. So the very best that we can do is figure out how can we stop or slow down the disease and what type of devices currently available will take what vision is left and rehabilitate it. And and that's Mm -hmm. what I hope that we can focus on a little bit this morning because, you know, so many patients – uh, if their doctor does use the term macular degeneration, uh, they're, they're told that basically there are two types of macular degeneration. There's the wet and there's the dry. Mm-hmm. Now, 90% of people have the dry form. And if you have the dry form, the only type of therapy currently recommended is vitamin therapy. Now, this is universally accepted by the medical profession. You could go uh, to a great medical center there in Texas. You could go to Bascom Palmer uh, in Miami. You could go to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. And every eye specialist is going to say, if you have the dry form of macular degeneration, some type of vitamin therapy is what you need to be taking. Now, if you have the wet form of macular degeneration, which is for the other 10%, of patients. Uh, the wet form comes from the fact that there's actually blood leaking in the back of the eye. It's either uh-huh. leaking into the back of the eye or underneath the macular or underneath the retina. And so when we detect that type of blood, the standard of care for that particular form of AMD or macular degeneration is an injection. 
In other words, there's literally an injection of a medication going into the eye mm-hmm. that stops that bleeding. And so many cases I'll have a patient say to me, oh, I've got the dry macular degeneration and all you can do for me is vitamins. I sure wish I had the macular degeneration that was wet so that I could get the shots. And I say, oh, oh, no, you don't want the wet form of macular degeneration because, number one, who wants a needle in the eye every 30 days? Yeah. And number number two... (laughs) <laughs> Number two, those patients with wet macular degeneration typically have more severe vision loss. So that's kind of a, an overview of what we're dealing with on the landscape of macular degeneration. All right. This is a simple question. When you stick a needle in the eye, does it is there pain? Well, there is an anesthetic, a topical anesthetic that we put in the eye to try to minimize the discomfort. Right. Um, many patients will say, I felt nothing at all. Uh, some patients will have some discomfort, to be quite mm-hmm. candid with you. Uh, but, you know, the thing that we've dreaded our entire lives is the needle in the eye. So uh, no right. one is happy about having that, but certainly it beats the alternative right. of, of going blind. Sure, sure. Well, for those people that have not been exposed to macular degeneration, can you tell us exactly what that is? Some description sure. of the, it the for first, them? First Sure. Let's talk about the symptoms first of all because when a person starts to develop macular degeneration, typically what happens is they notice they're not seeing quite as well through their glasses. Uh, Maybe the newspaper print is not as clear as it used to be. Uh, Perhaps they look at a long distance and they can't see the stoplight and tell if it's red or green. And most patients with macular degeneration, when they come into their doctor's office, they think, well, I need stronger glasses. And that's when they're given the dreaded diagnosis of macular degeneration. In other words, a regular pair of eyeglasses is not going to help any longer Mm. uh, because it's not a situation where regular eyeglasses will help. It's that the back of the eye is deteriorating. So if I could show the listeners a photograph of the inside of the eye, the dead center, which is called the macula. The macula is the center part of the retina. If we think of the eye as a camera, the retina is the film. And so right in the middle of the film is the macula, and that area is starting to deteriorate. And it actually looks like an old rusted car bumper when we take images or x-rays or photographs of the inside of the eye because there's oxidation occurring in that area. And so those photoreceptors start to die. Mm. Patients want to know, why do I get it? Well, we really don't know why, but we know that there are some genetic predispositions, meaning that if you have family members with it, mother, father, brother, sister, you're at higher risk. We know this is a disease that primarily affects women, and that's why I was so excited about coming on your radio show today, is to talk about this with the population group that it primarily affects. And we also know that it primarily affects Caucasian women. It's not that we never see it in Latinos or in African Americans, but 95% of macular degeneration uh, is in Caucasians. So if you were to walk into my office this morning, Uh, Joyce, our Paul Vision Institute in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, you would see that probably 90% of the patients in my office are Caucasian women over the age of 65. Uh, That's the population base I serve. Wow. Well, we're just about uh, to go to, going to go to break, so I won't go into another question because there's a lot more I know you're going to tell us. But that's so interesting that it really is focused on Caucasian over 50. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's no indicators. Why? 
No, um, we're no. working on genetic tests right now. When I say we, yeah. medicine is working on genetic tests, so we do a better chance of predicting who's going to get it. Yeah. Um, but there's still uh, some gaps in that science. Uh, so right now, we basically say if you've got a family history, you're at high risk. And when we come back from the break, we can talk about how can you reduce your risk of oh, developing yes. macular degeneration if you know you have a family history. Because yeah. there's some really exciting things that we can do. Good. Well, we will be back shortly, and Dr. Paul will tell us more about macular degeneration and how we can prevent, take steps to prevent that occurring in our eyes. The proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Well, the U.S. sure has experienced torrential thunderstorms, lightning, and flooding recently. Thunderstorms, otherwise known as cockeyed bobs, can be pretty scary. What's the fear of thunder and lightning called? Astrophobia. Years ago, Roy Sullivan, a Virginia Park Ranger, was struck by lightning seven different times and lived to tell about it. Lightning struck his head through his hat, set his hair on fire, and burned his eyebrows off. The current from the lightning traveled through both legs and blew his shoes off. The final lightning bolt hit him while fishing, and he was hospitalized for chest and stomach burns. Believe it or not, Roy Sullivan managed to recover from seven lightning strikes, but later died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound as a result of loneliness, otherwise known as azagaphrenia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. We are visiting today with Dr. Paul, who is a foremost authority on macular degeneration and low vision rehabilitation. Um, and he has such a strong message for us, particularly if we are Caucasian women over 60. Uh, there's information that we need to know. And so, Dr. Paul, we were talking about some of those symptoms uh, before we went to break. And we visited about, I'm a blonde with blue eyes. So what does that say about me? So if we look at the demographics, Joyce, again, who is at high risk for macular degeneration? We've already Mm -hmm. identified uh, people over the age of 60. Mm -hmm. Um, We've identified that 
This is a disease that unfortunately prefers women over men, not that men don't get it, but it's primarily a disease of women. Uh, We know that it primarily strikes Caucasians, but if we continue to refine those uh, demographics down even further, individuals who are lighter-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, of Scandinavian or European descent are at even higher risk. And part of that is genetic, but part of it is also due to the fact that the sun is a risk factor in developing macular degeneration, both the blue spectrum of light as well as ultraviolet rays. So if you have a blue-eyed person, their retina is receiving more of the harmful rays of the sun than a person with dark skin and dark colored irises. Mm. And so that sun bombardment over years and years and years starts to cause this oxidation. And while it may not be the primary cause of macular degeneration, it is a really high risk factor and a high contributing factor. And so fortunately, today's society um, is such that Sunglasses are not only a fashion item, but very seldomly do we see people today who go outside without sunglasses. But I was raised on a small tobacco farm in rural North Carolina, and I can remember growing up 30 or 40 years ago, no one wore sunglasses. Yeah. And so we have a whole generation who never wore sun protection, who we're now seeing in the optometrist or the ophthalmologist's office. uh, With macular degeneration, and again, sun is is definitely a factor. And to your point, blonde hair, blue eyed. Um, light-skinned folks are at, at greater risk. So today we wear sunglasses, but really the damage was done much earlier than today. Absolutely, correct? absolutely. So it, you know that's not to discourage sunglass use. It's always right. better uh, to start at some point, but to some extent, the horse is already out of the barn. All of those right. years being outside without sun protection. Uh, is a contributing factor. And and let me mention one other thing because I would be remiss if I did not mention this. Um, Another risk factor is smoking. We know that patients who smoke are 400% more likely or four times more likely to develop wet macular degeneration and dry macular degeneration than patients who do not smoke. Um, But very much like with lung cancer and other diseases such as cardiovascular disease and risk of stroke, If a Mm -hmm. patient stops smoking, then there's a benefit to that in that their risk factor will start to drop. Same thing with macular degeneration. And one of the things we've really started to do in our clinic is to talk about smoking cessation programs for our patients who smoke now and don't have macular degeneration, uh, but clearly for those who do. So, um, Mm. you know, smoking, good sun protection, and uh, and I also would like to, to talk about vitamins when you're ready to talk about that because this is an area where we can really make an impact well we also isn't there um, a threat through overweight being uh, not watching our weight contributes to this you're exactly correct so if we think about water risk factors for Uh cardiovascular disease in other words what puts a person at high risk for having a heart attack well it's high blood pressure Check. High blood pressure also promotes yep. macular degeneration. Mm-hmm. It's diet and obesity, being overweight. Check. Both of those for macular yes. degeneration and heart attack. 
diabetes. So I tell a patient, listen, everything that puts your heart at risk for a heart attack is putting you at risk for advanced macular degeneration or the development of macular degeneration. From a high cholesterol level to a high triglyceride level to having blood pressure that's not controlled. And so also when we talk about diet, you know, Mm -hmm. what are eye healthy foods? What foods should I eat that are healthy for my eyes? Well, anything that a cardiologist would recommend for a heart patient is going to be something that I recommend for an eye or macular degeneration patient. So leafy green vegetables, plenty of fresh fruits and vegetables. Stay away from simple carbohydrates. As much as I love potatoes and rice, you know, those are simple carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And they're increasing your blood sugar and they're contributing to obesity. And then when it comes to protein, when it comes to meats, try to go with lean meats. Um, chicken and fish and seafood are excellent foods for cardiovascular health and eye health. And when we talk about fish in particular, those that are high in omega-3 fatty acids, such as salmon, mackerel, uh, tuna, even a can of sardines, as disgusting as that may be to some listeners, are very, very high in omega-3 fatty acids. And as I jokingly say to my audiences when I lecture, uh, sorry, Long John Silver's doesn't count. Uh, It's got to be one of the healthy fish. Oh, that's a tough thing to say to a Southerner here. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) All right, now, one thing I'm thinking as you're telling me all this, because the obesity issue has increased so much in the last few years, then you must see more and more cases of macular degeneration. We do. Um, It's interesting that when I first focused my practice on macular degeneration 13 years ago, Mm -hmm. the National Eye Institute estimated the number of cases at 12 million. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. Yes, at 12 million million. um, in the United States. Now, Uh in 2001, 2002, it was 12 million. In 2010, the number raised to 15 million. Just Mm -hmm. last month, the National Eye Institute now says that that number is at 20 million. So in the last 10 to 15 years, we've gone from a little over 10, 12 million cases to 20 million cases. It's almost doubled. Almost doubled, yeah. Wow. Now, the population of the United States hasn't increased that much in that period of time, but our incidence of diagnosed macular degeneration has almost doubled. Part of that is because we're seeing more of it, and another part of it is because we're living longer. Yes. You know, it's not unusual in my office to have patients in their 90s. The oldest patient I have, she's 106. And so as we live to be older, we're seeing a higher incidence of some of these chronic degenerative diseases, which is what macular degeneration is. Right. Yeah. So my mother is now 98. And, um, you know, she is taking your vitamin that you've uh, been so successful with, uh, which I do want you to talk about and share with my audience. But um, it's still, um, you know, you kind of wonder what else could be done for her. So, um, uh, yeah, and that's that's a great segue to to kind of talk about. You know, we've laid a nice foundation over the last few minutes um, of what is macular degeneration, who gets it, how does it affect us. 
But, you know, what I want to do is talk about where are we going? What What is yes. science and, and medicine working on? Yeah. Um, the first thing is vitamin therapy, as I briefly mentioned before, has been around for 10 or 15 years. And the majority of patients are taking an AREDS-based or an AREDS-2-based vitamin. Now, what I mean by AREDS or AREDS-2 is the National Eye Institute has actually conducted two separate studies looking at what the right combination of vitamins is for patients who have macular degeneration. And so about uh, 15 years ago, they did AREDS or AREDS-1 and published that literature in 2001. Mm-hmm. And then just last year, they came out with the second version of the study, AREDS-2. And there are a number of commercially available products that a person can go to their local pharmacy. They can go to the CVS or the Revco or the Rite Aid or the uh, XYZ Pharmacy, and, and they can find um, over-the-counter vitamins in the vitamin section that say AREDS or AREDS-2. Now, as I tell patients, these vitamins are better than not taking anything. And they're yeah. not bad vitamins. However, they're not the best vitamin. Um, full disclosure here, I'm going to talk to the audience about what I think is the best vitamin, and I was the lead scientist on the development of this. And it's a vitamin called Tozal, T-O-Z-A-L. Now, um, for the listeners who want to learn more about this after the, the radio show, we encourage them to go to a website that we've set up specifically so that they can learn more about vitamin therapy for macular degeneration, and that's mytozal.com, M-Y-T-O-Z-A-L.com. And what we have found with Tozol is it is the first vitamin that has actually been shown to stop the progression of macular degeneration in roughly 76% of patients. Now, I want to repeat that statement because that's huge. Yes. In 76% of patients who are diagnosed with macular degeneration, we can stabilize and or improve their visual acuity. Patients who are taking red space formulas, what they're simply doing is slowing down the progression of the disease. In other words, no one stabilizes, no one gets better, there's simply mm-hmm. a slowing of the progression of the disease. Right. But with Tozol, 76% are either going to go into remission or they're going to have some improvement. So as I tell my patients, if you're standing on a train track and there's a freight train coming down the track, do you want to slow it down or do you want to stop it? <laughs> and stop. Uh, I think that's a great analogy with macular yeah. degeneration. Oh, that's a wonderful message. I mean, that's exciting to know that there is something, there is a, a solution to that disease because it's just, it just is paralyzing when you hear that you have this disease coming down the pike at you. So we are going to go to a break and I really want to come back and I want to talk about some of the good, the happy stories that you have in your history. Um, I did listen to some of the programs, and there are great things and great results that you've had um, through your years of treating patients with macular degeneration. So when we come back, we will be talking with Dr. Paul more about his wonderful product, Tozol. Speaker and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. 
This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Think engaging in small talk with prospective clients before business negotiations is a good idea? A new study from Nova Consulting Group suggests that it all depends on whether you are male or female. The study found that a little chatter by female professionals before a meeting will generally produce a positive image, but not always positive results. However, male professionals who begin negotiations with a little small talk usually glean favorable returns. This is because there is a preconception that women are already expected to be more communicative than men. And when a man makes small talk, he is perceived as friendlier and likable. But beware that babblery or gossip will only get you into trouble. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Oh my goodness, we have been listening to Dr. Paul this afternoon, this morning, and he has shared just amazing, amazing information for us about immaculate, immaculate degeneration, how it can be stopped through a, a product that he was very involved in creating, and that's called Tozol. So, Dr. Paul, would you like to share a little bit more about how we can get our hands on this amazing um, drug? Absolutely. So Tozol was initially launched about three years ago um, as an RX product, meaning that individuals needed to go to their eye doctor and their doctor had to physically write a prescription and or the patient uh, had to ask for it and a prescription had to be written. Now, um, a doctor can still write a prescription for Tozol and the majority of patients who use it are receiving a prescription because there's a benefit to the prescription in that many of the health care plans will cover it if the doctor writes a prescription. But recently it was reclassified as a quote-unquote behind-the-counter product. So basically in the United States, you have medications that are classified one of three ways. Rx only, which means you have to have a prescription. Behind-the-counter, which means you can get a prescription and your insurance may cover it. But a very savvy consumer can simply go up to the pharmacist and request it if it's behind the counter, and the pharmacist will pull it from behind the counter and give it to them, or sell it to them, rather, uh, without them having to ask for 
a, a prescription oh. from their doctor. And yes. then you've got over-the-counter products, which, of course, are on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So it's a little confusing, and I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to to qualify that. So, um, again, a patient can ask their eye doctor for a prescription, or they can simply go up to the pharmacy counter and ask for Tozal, T-O-Z-A-L, and the pharmacist can either order it for them if they don't have it in stock or pull it from behind the counter. Again, mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Uh, there's something called Paragoric, uh, which, you know, we use – 20, 30 years, uh, but now it's behind the counter. So you don't need a prescription for it, uh, but you have to ask the pharmacist. And uh, just one shameless plug, Joyce, if I may, I referenced mm-hmm. an, uh, a website earlier, mytozal, M-Y-T-O-Z-A-L.com. Yes. Uh, just for the listeners of, of your show, we have, uh, for a short period of time, put on a, um, a link to a 50% off uh, voucher whether the doctor writes a prescription or they ask their pharmacist for it. So if they wanted to go to the website, uh, they could save a significant amount of money on the product um, oh, that's uh, by going there. Awesome. That is really great. Now, listeners, you do need to do that because it is um, a little expensive, So, uh, as all prescriptions are getting to be. So that's really a benefit. Thank you, Dr. Paul. That's sure, and, and with that with that voucher, it should bring the cost to somewhere between forty to forty five dollars for for a bottle, which again is a little more expensive than some of the over the counter products, but it works out to a dollar and fifty cents a day. And as I tell my patients, is your vision worth a cup of coffee a day, which is about what a dose of Tozol costs? And right. before we move on, Joyce, if I may just make one other statement, you know, I know there are many of your listeners who may not have been diagnosed with macular degeneration. But they're very interested because their mother, their father, their aunt have been diagnosed with it, and they're wondering, again, what is my chance of getting it? Yes. So based on research from the National Eye Institute, it's currently believed that if you have a mother, father, brother, sister, a first-generation family member with macular degeneration, that your risk of developing it in your lifetime is right at 50%, which is very yeah. high. Yeah. Now, by taking a product like Tozol, you can reduce your risk factor by 70%. Now, that's significant. Now, mm-hmm. not to make the listeners do the math, but if we take a 50% risk factor, which one has if they have a family member with AMD, and we reduce that by 70%, it reduces their risk factor from 50% to 15%, which is huge. Yes. And as I tell my patients, if there were a pharmaceutical company that had a product that would reduce a person's risk of developing cancer by 70%, that company would not be able to manufacture it fast enough. Yet we do have a product that can do that with macular degeneration. Right. Oh, that's, that is really exciting. I mean, it's scary when you realize uh, – I had a question. If my mother developed this in, like, age 95, is that approximately where I would – start experiencing the disease if I did? Fantastic question, and we don't know. Oh, Very good question, but we just have not been able to pinpoint if mom got it at 95, and I'm I'm going to make it at 95. Um, You know, we start really looking for it between 55 and 60 if we know that someone has a family history. Mm -hmm. Um, So great question, just can't be answered. Yeah. Well, all right. That just means that I need to go get those regular. Um, Absolutely. 
yeah. routinely. And, and while the, the regular dosage for a patient is three capsules per day, if yeah. you're taking it from a preventive standpoint, you can probably get by with taking one or two capsules, about half the normal dosage. Right. Okay. So if a woman is wondering out there if she uh, doesn't have a person in her family, but she just wants to know if her eyes are healthy, then this can be detected very early, correct? Yes. Yes. With new technology, um, we can actually detect macular degeneration before the patient even knows that they have it. And Mm -hmm. so I recommend that if a person has a family history of macular degeneration, Mm-hmm. that they get an annual eye exam after the age of 60. Make sure your eye doctor knows that you have a family history and specifically ask that doctor on every visit, you know my mom has macular degeneration. Did everything look good with me today? Now, all eye doctors are looking for macular degeneration in anybody over the age of 60. But when I know that there is a family history, I'm spending extra time, and I'm doing additional testing to make sure that that patient is free and clear. Right. Oh, very good recommendation. Let's see. How far are you from me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for the listeners, uh, uh, our, our clinic is located in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is right on the coast. Uh, the name of our practice is the Paul Vision Institute, and we literally have patients uh, visit us from all over the world. And you had talked about uh, oh. some of our success stories. Yeah. Um, the the patient who has traveled the furthest away to see me uh, was a young man who traveled from Cape Town, South Africa. Oh my! Gosh. I don't know how many miles away that is, but I know <laughs> yeah. it's halfway around around the world. And you know. When we talk about macular degeneration, we've been spending all this time talking about people over the age of 60. Yes. Well, unfortunately, there's a rare form of macular degeneration which affects children. Very, very oh. sad situation. It's called Stargardt disease or juvenile macular degeneration. Same disease. It's just a genetic variant that affects children. Mm-hmm. And uh, several years ago, I had uh, a young seven-year-old boy with his parents who traveled over from South Africa to see me for a consultation. And the very well-meaning eye doctors there in South Africa had told them that they should go ahead and pull the kid out of school, enroll him in the school for the blind Mm -hmm. so that he could uh, start learning Braille. Mm -hmm. And they were just unwilling to do that. And, uh, you know, good for the parents because they brought him over. Uh, We started him on nutritional therapy, and we also fit him with a special pair of eyeglasses that are called bioptic telescopes. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine, if you will, us taking the power that's in a hunting rifle scope or the power that's in a pair of binoculars and actually putting that power into a pair of eyeglasses. Mm. We can now do that. And so we've had patients who were legally blind and lost their driver's license that we've been able to help drive again with these special glasses. Uh, Even patients who may not necessarily want to drive, they may want to be able to read the newspaper again. They may be wanting to see the the computer screen. Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to be able to go to church and see the pastor or see their kid on the soccer field. So we now can make these special glasses called bioptic telescopes and improve the patient's vision anywhere from 300 to 400%. Wow. Can you do that from from distance? I mean, 
could you do it from my mother sending in her prescription and you doing it, or do you actually physically need to see the patient in the chair? Yep. Uh, it's very difficult to do it long distance, you know, because okay. we have different powers that we use, mm-hmm. and we have to determine what power is unique for that patient. Yes. And one of the things that we do with patients is we say to them, um, what is on your wish list? In other words, is there uh, something specific you want to be able to do? Because if a person wants to be able to read, that's going to take a different pair of glasses than a person who wants to be able to go to church and see the pastor or wants yes. to be able to drive and see the stoplight. Right. So, yeah. Well, yeah. mother would want to see her crossword puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just think about what quality of life, what improvement in quality of life that, that gives a person. Yeah. Um, if I could, I'd like to give a couple of resources for people who may not be able to come to North Carolina, and also I'd, I'd like to kind of tell people how they could contact us if they want additional information. Um, so well, we is, only it, is that have, all right, Joyce? We, we're just a brief time away from a break, so if we could do that when we come back, Absolutely. I don't want to have to cut in and interrupt you on that. But I would like to ask one more question about that young person. What percentage do you see, uh, and there's no way of knowing, uh, the total number of, of diagnosed blindness cases with this disease, but uh, do you see the number of patients, how many do you see a year? Do you see it increasing? Yeah, so, you know, we um, are obviously seeing more and more patients because more and more patients have it. Yeah. Uh, the specialty that I practice, low vision rehabilitation, there are probably fewer than 50 of us in the United States who do this type of work. So we yeah. are getting busier and busier and busier, and my practice right. is limited to that. Um, you know, I can't give you exact numbers in terms of the number of people seeking out my services or other low vision doctors' services because right. a lot of patients have never been exposed to this. They never have heard that there are special glasses or special vitamins or special surgeries, which we'll talk about when we come back from the break that will help. So it's basically a a process of patient education, and that's why I'm so happy that I've been able to spend some time with you today. Right. Yeah. Well, it is a huge uh, subject, particularly if you're diagnosed with this disease. If it doesn't touch you, then your life is great. But when it does, I I know the shock and the disappointment and the sadness that comes into your life. So what a great answer. So when we come back from our break, we will be talking in our final segment, no, it can't be, with Dr. Paul, and he will share more information with us. So um, get your Uh, Be sure to be back here because we want you to have every precious moment of Dr. Paul's wisdom. Salt is in nearly everything we eat, and many times it makes food taste so delicious. Even though the 2010 Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommends limiting sodium to less than 2,300 milligrams a day, Men's Health Magazine states that the average American takes in about 3,300 milligrams of sodium every single day. Your body needs some sodium to function properly because it helps transmit nerve impulses. It influences the contraction and relaxation of muscles, and it helps maintain the right balance of fluids in your body. But most of us are getting far more sodium than is recommended. 
Check out the sodium content in the foods you are eating and limit soy sauce, Parmesan cheese, bacon, smoked salmon, ramen noodles, and salami. It's time to kick the habit of too much sodium. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where every spring we seem to get pummeled with hailstorms. What's another name for a thunderstorm? A cockeyed bob. The Guinness Book of World Records states the largest known hailstone in U.S. history was over seven inches in diameter. That's almost the size of a soccer ball. The famous hailstone was found in central Nebraska in June 2003. But if we think the hail's bad here in Texas, I guess it's better than living in parts of Africa, where they average 130 days of hailstorms each year. Other hail-prone areas include India, Russia, China, and Italy. The Aussies call hailstones, drift ice, glazed frost, pancake ice, and frost flowers. I wonder how they measured hail before the invention of the golf ball. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Dr. Paul, and Dr. Paul talks to us about macular degeneration and vision rehabilitation. Now, before we went to break, we were talking about how you could find your local doctors in your local area that could help you with these problems, with this disease. And so, Dr. Paul, can you give us some pointers in help guiding us to those people? Absolutely. I'd like to give the listeners two resources so that they can either contact our office or contact one of the doctors in their locality uh, that may be able to assess them with the technologies and resources we've discussed today. So first of all, my website is the easiest way to contact us, and that is DrEdwardPaul.com, D-R-E-D-W-A-R-D-P-A-U-L.com, or if they want to check out the international foundation that we have, um, the International Academy of Low Vision Specialists, uh, very simple, IALVS.com. Again, that would be IALVS.com. And by going to that website, there's a link called Find a Doctor Near You, and you can click on that link, and we have 30 plus doctors throughout the United States who have been trained in the same methods that I use in our clinic here in North Carolina that can assist patients in nutritional therapy and low vision devices such as the bioptic telescopes that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Well, it was so interesting over break because Dr. Paul and I visited it. And there's one, there is a doctor in our local area in Tyler that I can go visit. I'm excited about that. (laughs) Dr. Larry Chisholm. A great guy, very good friend of mine, and a real advocate uh, for patients with macular degeneration. So, Yeah, that's great. Well, tell us another story that you have. I know you told about that, but tell us of a, a senior citizen or uh, another one that comes to freshly to your mind. 
So, Joyce, there is a relatively new technology called the Implantable Miniature Telescope that we're now using. And so we talked earlier about the bioptic telescope, which are telescopic lenses, miniature telescopes like a hunting rifle scope or a binocular that's actually mounted into a glasses. Uh, Believe it or not, we now have the technology to miniaturize that telescope to the size of a small green garden pea. And we can surgically implant that into the human eye. <gasps> my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's so awesome. So imagine from 25 years ago, the $6 million man who had the bionic eye. Yes. We, yes. we can now do a prosthetic or bionic eye using this miniature telescope. And so that procedure is not for everyone. Uh, because it's relatively new and it is recently approved by the FDA, a person must go through a very rigorous screening process to make sure that they're a good candidate mm-hmm. and to make sure that they would be successful because certainly we do not want to put anyone through a, a very uh, challenging, difficult uh, surgical process unless we can assure them that they're going to see better uh, following the procedure. But for the yeah. right patient, it's absolutely miraculous. Um, we've had patients who went from legally blind to 2050 uh, in a matter of a few weeks after having this lens surgically implanted in the eye. And currently one of the main uh, inclusion criteria is that a person has to be over the age of 65. Now, the good news about the implantable miniature telescope is that it is covered by Medicare and insurance. Oh, that is good news. So that's a huge plus for patients because we've reduced that financial barrier to a patient being able to uh, get this surgery. Um, And so in North Carolina, for example, in the last three years, we've implanted almost 20 of these devices, and our success rate Hmm. is greater than 90%. It doesn't get rid of the macular degeneration. But it magnifies the image big enough Mm -hmm. so that the patient is able to see faces and to be mobile and to read again, whereas previously they may have not been able to do those things. Yes. Would they have been um, categorized as legally blind? Yes. Yes. Is that part of the prerequisite? Absolutely. So a person who comes to me who is legally blind in both eyes is an excellent candidate for the implantable miniature telescope. Um, Patients who come to me who are not quite legally blind but have vision impairment are better candidates for those bioptic telescopes, in other words, the telescopic eyeglasses. So the nice thing about seeing a qualified low vision specialist is that we evaluate the patient. We find out what's on their wish list. What do they want to be able to do? And then, based upon their age, the level of vision they have, and their wish list, we analyze what are the best treatment options, and then we can discuss those options with the patient and ultimately let them make the decision which avenue they want to go down. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, just be, they can decide what's important to them. I think that's awesome. That's really so special. 
what it gives. Well, it is. It, it is. And, and all of, you know, the low vision doctors that, that I have trained with and uh, that I've referenced in, in this meeting, when we sit down with a patient, we typically spend one-on-one, belly-to-belly, anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half with that patient. If mm-hmm. not in and out a five-minute exam like we get so many times today when we go to see the doctor. Yes. Uh, because to take care of a low vision patient, to take care of a macular degeneration patient, there's a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of counseling that has to be done, and you can't rush through this process. And so I encourage everyone on the call, either for themselves or a family member, if they've never had a low vision evaluation, they owe it to themselves to go and find out what else is available. Because what's happening is their very well-meaning eye doctor is yeah. telling them that nothing else can be done and they're going to have to live with the level of vision loss that they have. And while granted, we can't cure the disease yet, mm-hmm. there are many things that can be done through the use of special surgeries, as we've referenced with the IMT or implantable miniature telescope, with mm-hmm. special eyeglasses that include telescopes, and with vitamin and nutritional therapy. There's always hope. Mm-hmm. What are some of, you mentioned some of the things that they have to deal with? Uh, are there psychological things that they have to deal with, such as the fear of going into the eye, or, or is that what you have to prepare them for? Well, in general, if I could back up and talk about what type of emotional responses and psychological issues do we deal with with macular degeneration in general. Yeah. Number one is the fear of going blind, of waking okay. up one morning and the lights are off. Yes. And so the good news is, And I tell every patient this, and I can tell every patient and family member listening to the show today this, do not live in fear of going totally blind from macular degeneration. It will not happen. And the way I can say that is that macular degeneration is a disease that affects central vision and central vision only. A -hmm. patient will always retain their side or their peripheral vision. And so many times we see people walking around with macular degeneration, and they seem to be walking around perfectly normal. But what they're doing is they're using their side vision, their peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. They don't have clear central vision, but they can see peripherally. And so do not live in fear of going blind. And once we take that off the table, we see patients breathe a huge sigh of relief. But the other thing that we deal with, and one of my main objectives with every patient, is how can I help this person, number one, improve their overall quality of life, and number two, for those who do not have advanced vision loss, how can I allow them to remain independent as long as they possibly can? Mm -hmm. You know, so many times I'll have an 85-year-old lady in my exam chair, and her daughter's there, and there's a strong family support. And the family says, Mom, don't worry. You know we're there for you to take you to church on Sunday, and we're there to take you to the grocery store and to the beauty shop. But in that patient's mind, the fact that they've lost the independence to do it themselves is a huge psychological blow. It is. And if there's something that we can do to allow them to do more for themselves, even if it's not driving, to Mm -hmm. cook, to take Mm -hmm. care of themselves, to live independently. Uh, Those are things that we just cannot measure. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. I agree wholeheartedly that loss of freedom is major. Yeah. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that, Dr. Paul, when that comes. (laughs) 
Well, hopefully you're not going to have to to deal with it. And I do want to say that medical science and research centers all over the United States are vigorously working on a daily basis to find a cure, but we haven't found a cure yet. Yeah, but I'm so impressed and excited about the progress that has been made because going from three years ago, going from there's just no hope to realizing there's a product such as Chozol on the market and there are doctors such as you out there working on our behalf, that is exciting to me because that's lots of promise in um positive things happening. So I appreciate so much that you've been able to give your time to us today to further clear up this whole issue of macular degeneration. So thank you. It's been such a pleasure being with you, Joyce. And uh, I just challenge and encourage all the listeners, uh, if they're not hearing what they think they need to be hearing from their very well-meaning eye doctors, Seek out the second opinion of a low vision specialist to see what other options may be available to them. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've I've learned and walked away with so much information, and I know every one of my listeners have. So I appreciate so much that you've taken your time to share this message. It's been such a pleasure. I wish everyone the very best. (laughs) Thank you. You know, one of the things we do as as human beings is we go through this process of changing and we're always going through changes. Changes challenge us. They, they ask us to step up to be uh, more investigative. They ask us to be more, um, ask more questions, why and how can I change this? And I see, I think this is a beautiful example. This is... Um, How can we improve this? And the answer was out there. And who knew it? I am so grateful that you have been here today. And I hope you walk away with new courage and new enthusiasm and promise for your loved ones that may be going through this problem or you yourself. Thank you for tuning in today. We are always here for you. We always want you to come back and visit with us because we always bring you exciting people such as Dr. Edward Paul. Thank you. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, Women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services 